The Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. And good morning to you. Ten minutes after 9 a.m., it is a Wednesday, a rainy Wednesday, but uh, we're all happy to see it. I think for the most part, everybody's happy that we finally got a little bit of moisture. Congratulations to Janae Clough. Janae is the winner of our a pair of tickets to go see the Letterman in concert tomorrow night at Cox Auditorium right there on the campus of Dixie State. Uh, Janae was caller number three. Didn't get her on the air, but I did, uh, did talk with her, and she was pretty darn excited to see the Letterman in concert. Again, those are $35 a pop, and she gets a, a couple of them free. We've given away six tickets uh, this week to see the Letterman. It's going to be an incredible concert. Uh, okay, so let's uh, get down to business now. We've got a, uh, got, we're going to have some open lines later on in the show for you to call, but to do have a guests a couple of guests actually on the show right now jack lancaster will join me he's in studio here and uh, jack uh, will, and, and i will be joined by uh, mr meldrum and uh it's first name rod thank you rod meldrum rod is on the phone line <laughs> rod has got a, a big event coming up this weekend and what i'm going to do is i'm going to kind of hand off to jack here uh, maybe to introduce rod if you would okay good morning rod how are you today Hey, doing fantastic to be here with you and Andy. Great to see you. Now, tell us about what you're doing this week in Southern Utah, starting with uh, tonight. Well, we we have uh, an organization called the Firm Foundation, and we do uh, research involving the Book of Mormon and science and uh, and, and religion and those kinds of things. And uh, we we have a a series of events going on in Southern Utah here. Um, We just uh, did uh, some presentations up here in uh, in Northern Utah. We're doing these uh, these in the in Delta tonight, we'll be in, in, in Delta at the uh, at the Lock Community Center there in, uh, in on Main Street in Delta. And tomorrow night, we'll be in Beaver. And your uh, your sister station, KSAB, up there has has uh, uh, put out the information about about this. Uh, it's going to be at the Beaver City offices up in Beaver, Utah. Um, and then on Friday night in Cedar City at the barn up there. That's the it's about three thousand north. It's on the north side of Cedar City there. And all of these are going to be free events. Um, and then we have um, in St. George, we have a, an, an all-day conference. It's the Firm Foundation Evidence um, and, and Book of Mormon Evidence Conference, I should say. And it's going to be at the Red Lion Hotel there on Bluff Street there in St. George on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Oh, wow. These, uh, the, the other ones in Delta and Beaver and Cedar City are going to be from 6.30 p.m. till 9.30 p.m. So we have about an hour and a half each for two different speakers, myself is are, are one of these, and, and uh, I, I, I don't know. Should I introduce myself a little? Well, bit Rod, there? let me let me do that. Yeah. Um, so you, the first yeah, time I was introduced to you was a number of years ago, and you'd put out this video, uh, and uh-huh. it was kind of rebutting some DNA that had come out, uh, DNA evidence that uh, support, purportedly was a it was a, uh, a non or kind of an anti LDS uh, point of view. Uh, saying yeah. that the DNA was in and the, the Native Americans are not, you know, from the Middle East type thing. And uh-huh. then you had uh-huh. you had said, you know, this can't stand because I know the, you know, you come from the position the Book of Mormon is a true doctor, doctrine. And right. that yeah. um, you decided to start doing a research project to find out what the truth really was. And, and um, this started, what was this, about 10 or 12 years ago or more? Yeah, about twelve years ago. Well, uh-huh. actually, actually started in two thousand and two uh-huh. originally with the with the research, and then I started sharing it. And in about two thousand seven and two thousand eight, took about six years of pretty intensive research uh, on the DNA side to uh, to find out about it. But it's just absolutely standard. There's there's now there is uh, I, I think it's arguably the Book of Mormon has uh, 
you know, similar kinds of evidence for it archaeologically and linguistically and um, anthropologically and so forth as as, uh, as any you know as any other ancient scripture. So it's it's, it's really exciting to see um, there's so much evidence for the the foundation of the of the uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. You know, I was uh, growing up in uh, the illustrations in my Book of Mormon. Growing up, had these temples in the South and Central America, rather, and uh, <laughs> Central America settings. And yep. what did your research lead you to believe as to where the setting was for the Book of Mormon? Well, when you when you basically take a look at the prophecies in the Book of Mormon, it, it talked about uh, in the Book of Mormon it talks about a new nation that would be established and raised up and lifted up and set up, and then they, they go and they prophesy about this particular nation. Uh, they said it would be, for example, they said it would be a mighty Gentile nation above all other nations. It would be a land of liberty. They actually said it, they actually called it a land of liberty eight different times. But when you go into uh, the, the original, you know, from, from, the, uh, from the standpoint of the, of the, of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, we understand that the Garden of Eden, for example, was there in Missouri, and, uh, and that, that was the first promised land. And we can show what we're going to do is we're going to actually show people that come to these presentations how there are two promised lands that were mentioned by Christ when he was with the Nephites in the Book of Mormon, and that's Jerusalem and the New Jerusalem. And we know where both of those are located. And it turns out that the original promised land of, of Adam and Eve and their posterity was actually in the heartland of America. The uh, the gospel was restored in the heartland of America. Um, and it turns out that the, that the Book of Mormon actually... Uh, happen on these same sacred lands, and there was the same covenant. And what we're going to do in these presentations is talk about this covenant with God that's on this nation and why America is a promised land and what happens to promised lands when people reject God after they've been so blessed to live in this this uh, this covenant land. Will you address, Rod, this is Andy, will you address a little bit, uh, you know, that that original thought where where people were trying to say the DNA didn't match? On the DNA thing? What were your findings? Yeah, well, basically what we found out, um, we, know, we know that in the Book of Mormon, they talked about that Lehi and his family were from, they, they were not Asians. <laughs> okay, they were Semitic people through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. and through Joseph. And, uh, and, and so understanding that, when they started sequencing DNA from uh, native populations in North, Central, and South America, they found that they were all Asiatic, except for one. There's one particular lineage called Haplogroup X, which is a which has five markers in their DNA. Those five markers are found in over 110 tribes of the Algonquin-speaking language groups of Native American Indians, and they're, they're typically located up in the northeastern part of the United States. But the cool thing about it is, is that these same five markers are found in every Jewish population on the planet, wow. like the Ashkenazi Jews, the, the, the Sephardic Jews, Libyan, Moroccan, and Tunisian Jewish populations, etc. And no one knows how the DNA from over in Israel area uh, ended up getting up getting over here in America in these native tribes here. And, uh, and then we'll talk about the, the Joseph Smith, et cetera. But go ahead. I think some people know. He said no one knows. I, I, I think a few people know. Didn't uh, Scientific American publish an article about a pre-Columbian migration from Middle East? Yes. Yeah, well, there's, well, there's, there's, there's several different ones. Yeah, there's actually uh, Middle Eastern... Uh, you know DNA, but the, but the problem is is that the uh, down in Central America, they were 100 percent Asian, and that doesn't bode well for the claims of the Book of Mormon of a Hebrew people coming and and uh, and being here for you know upwards of a thousand years. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, but, but when you place the Book of Mormon here in the Promised Land, which is which was the Promised Land of Adam and Eve, it was the Promised Land of uh, you know, of the, uh, the the Jaredites, the Nephites, and then ultimately, and this is what we're going to be talking about for just a, for half of the of the time um, at these events, is uh, we're going to be talking about um, like George Washington, and when he invoked this covenant with God again how that covenant is actually embedded in the preamble of the Constitution of the United States, and then what the blessings of the covenant are about and what the judgments of God are on a nation that rejects him after they've been yeah. blessed by this covenant. But the, the other half of the, uh, of the presentation is going to be by uh, my, my dear friend and colleague, uh, Dean Sessions, and he has spent 29 years doing scientific research involving the, the process of fossilization, uh, it's culminated in a in a 2,400-page book with over 15,000 references in it. It's actually a three-volume set, and uh, and it's called the Universal Model. But uh, we're going to be talking about the DNA and dinosaurs. Wow! <laughs> and, and dating di- dating dinosaurs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not not that not that kind of dating. <laughs> right, right. Carbon dating. <laughs> Carbon. <laughs> Well, yeah. In this particular case, it's radiometric dating, but uh, mm-hmm. but we've actually myself and uh, Dean Sessions and other about uh, fifty colleagues that we have involved with the project. Uh, we actually were the first to act in the world to actually be able to take a piece of wood and turn it into a piece of petrified wood. Really? What? And so we and so we know what the petrification process is. And that has some absolutely astounding implications for what we know about geology and the structure of the earth and the age of the earth and all kinds of things uh, change when you understand how uh, these these rocks form. And, uh, and we're going to talk all about that in the Universal Model segment, which is about uh, half of the time of each one of these events. And this event, again, just to remind folks, uh, is this Saturday in St. George at the Red Lion Inn, starting at 9 a.m., mm-hmm. And going through 9 going p.m. Through 9, 9 p.m. And Rod, it's how a long you, day, but it's going to be awesome. What is the admission, and how do you get uh, tickets to go? Uh, admission is 10 bucks per person, and uh, you just go to bookofmormonevidence.org, and there's an events right at the top of the page. Just click on the events page, and you can uh, see all of the events, including the ones in Delta tonight, Beaver tomorrow, Cedar City on Friday night, and then uh, and then the Red Lion uh, Hotel there in Bluff on Bluff Street there uh-huh. in St. George on Saturday. Ron, I was I was looking at your website a little bit, and uh, there's a link between the Hebrew language in North America, which a lot of people will be like, "Now, how can that be?" Can, can you address that a little bit too? <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's actually seven different uh, locations or, or artifacts that have been discovered in North America that have Hebrew language. Wow! And uh, for, not, for not example, to one of the Book actually, of <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, in support of the Book of Mormon okay. claims, because. Okay. Now, the book, the book of Mormon. In the Book of Mormon, they they wrote the book in what they called the Reformed Egyptian, which we don't know exactly what that is. But the uh, but Mormon actually kind of decried about it. He said, you know, he said if I could just write in Hebrew, there would be no imperfections in my record. Hmm. And so Hebrew was the primary language of the the um, the Book of Mormon people. And it turns out, for example, um, the Smithsonian Institution had a uh, an archaeological dig that they were doing back in 1889. In a place called uh, um, Bat Creek, which is on the ten- uh, basically on the Tennessee River there in Tennessee, and when they dug down into this burial mound, they found the eight skeletons, and then they found another skeleton that was off to the side, 
uh, not with the other eight. And uh, when they when they dug that skeleton up, underneath him um, was a I should say excuse me on, on his chest bone basically on his breast bone. Uh, there was a little stone sitting on top of his, his chest, and that little stone had some characters on it. And as they looked at the characters, they said, well, this must be some kind of Paleo-Cherokee or something. Hmm. And so the Smithsonian actually published it back then, about two years after that, it was actually published by the Smithsonian. And then about 75 years later, some Hebrew experts were looking at the publication by the Smithsonian, but it happened to be on the other side of a desk looking at it upside down, and realize that the characters are beautiful Hebrew characters, hmm. and so wow. they got some of the some of the world's uh, foremost epigraphers at the time actually uh, took a another hard look at the stone. They actually located the stone that was in the Smithsonian, and they dragged it out and took a look at it. And they said, sure enough, it actually is Hebrew, and it and it spells out basically the uh, the phrase for the Judeans. Wow, I'm looking at it. Right? Now that, Jack just called it up on his phone. I'm looking at that right now. That's incredible. Yeah, and now it's actually on display at the at the Cherokee National Museum in Cherokee, North Carolina. Um, and it's, uh, you know, of course, it's controversial. I was, <laughs> was going to say, the there's a lot of lot of people going now. How did a Cherokee, Cherokee burial site have Hebrew <laughs> figures? But that wasn't Cherokee, wasn't that a Hopewell mound? Yeah. Hopewell. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a Hopewell mound. It dates right exactly into the Book of Mormon and time when did the, Yeah, of the when Hopewell did the Hopewells people. date? Yeah, exactly. What, when was that? Uh, the, well, the Hopewells started to show up in, uh, in basically in uh, in Florida around the Tallahassee area, about 550 BC, and then they crescendoed into a massive civilization. In fact, there's a new, uh, a fairly new book out. It's about four years old now. Uh, it's called the Illustrated Encyclopedia of Native American Mounds and Earthworks. And in that, uh, in that book, it's completely published by non-members of the church, um, they, on page three they estimate uh, that there are now over one million known sites in North America, in the central, the central portion of North America, meaning the heartland of North America, basically the, uh, the Tennessee River Valley and the, and the Mississippi River Valley and the Ohio River Valley areas, over one million sites, and many of those sites have multiple mounds on it. We're talking about uh, two, three, four million mounds were built by this ancient civilization that dates between 550 BC and about 400 to 580. And then wow. this uh, this Which civilization is exactly the Book of Mormon time frames, and it's just absolutely astounding when you see and they've it. They've done DNA on those bones and haplogroup. Yeah, they sequence they sequence DNA uh-huh. from a number of uh, different Hopewell uh, mortuary sites, uh-huh. and they have the same five markers as in the Druze population of Israel. Wow. So, and what's really, what's really really fascinating is the population of of, uh, of Jews, uh, I should say Israelites, that are in um, Iraq, because th- these are people who actually can trace their ancestry all the way back to 586 B.C. when they were removed from Jerusalem by force under King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And they were hauled back to Babylon as slaves, and that, and that Iraq is Babylon today. I mean, excuse me, Babylon is Iraq today. And... Um, and they sequenced 43 individuals from this Iraqi Jewish population, and guess what? They have the same five markers as the uh, as the Ojibwe and the, uh, the the Sac and the Fox, the Potawatomis, and also the Sioux and the Cheyenne, the Blackfoot out here, and the and the Cherokees, um, all these Native American tribes here in North America. It's just absolutely amazing. 
That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, I, I want to ask a couple of personal questions, Rod. It seems yeah. like this is a real labor of love for you, but oftentimes when someone says labor of love, that means you're not making any money at it. It sounds like to me <laughs> you've dedicated a lot of time. You're very learned, obviously, uh, to this project. Uh, how, how, are you, how are you making it happen? <laughs> well, well, actually, we do we do a, a couple of big conferences every year. We have mm-hmm. the International Book of Mormon Evidence Conference, which we do in uh, in April, and we do another one in September. Awesome. Uh, last April, when we had ninety one speakers over one hundred and sixty five classes in three days, and had Holy cow. about seven thousand seven thousand five hundred attendees that came to it at the Davis County Convention Center for the whole the whole three days. Um, we have another other ones that we do in the in the, in the uh, fall of the year. I have uh, I do I do a number of tours as well. Um, we have about four or five tours scheduled for next year that actually take people out to actually show them, you know, that the head plates, the breast plates, the ditches and earth banks, and so forth. Um, you know, the, uh, the the movements of the of the Nephites as they went from place to place, from the land of Nephi to the land of Zarahemla to Bountiful, and then finally uh, up to the hill Camora. And, uh, and and bottom line is that the that this has become the most the, the now the, the new dominant um, um, geography understanding. In fact, uh, the the new films that the church is putting out on the Book of Mormon, uh, people will probably will notice that they have no longer got any Central America stuff in the films. Hmm. Hmm. It's uh, the Central America thing has been so problematic and has had so many issues, and people have uh, have been become disillusioned by the lack of any any solid evidence. Down in Central America, that they've uh, that said, well, there must not be any evidence anywhere, <laughs> and huh. that is not the case. The, not the, the United case, States yeah. is the promised land, and there is overwhelming evidence for the Book of Mormon. It's an actual history of real people and places and events. And, uh, and if you would like to see some of that, come to one of these events uh, at the Delta tonight, six thirty to uh, to nine thirty at the community center there on, on Main Street. And then uh, in Beaver at the, the Beaver City offices uh, tomorrow night, and then in Cedar City. Hopefully, it won't be uh, too much snow up there. Yeah, not <laughs> not yet. It's just rained so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'll be at the at the barn there on the, on the north side of uh, of Cedar City there. And then all day um, in St. George, we're going to have uh, our, uh, our Book of Mormon Evidence Conference there at the Red Lion Hotel on uh, Bluff Street there in St. George. Now, that will be from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Have you met? We'd, we'd like to have you come. Have you met yeah. with with much resistance? We we got weather coming up real quick, but I I wanted to ask you: yeah, Have you yeah. met with much resistance? Are you getting people that are uh, against what the Book Mormon talks about that uh, fighting you on this stuff? Um, there, there has been at the, at the beginning, back when I started doing this in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. There was a really harsh resistance because hmm. you know because people have thought, well, gosh, you know that you know the churches publish stuff with uh, with the Central American ruins in there and all that. But if you'll notice that the church has taken all that stuff out now, and uh, and that because there's been such a, a a lack of real evidence there that you know the time frames don't match up, the animals, the plants don't match up, um, you know the the, the civilization, uh, so many aspects of the civilization down in Central America, the Mayans don't match up. But when you put it up here in a North American setting, it just all works, and that's why my my book became the number one best-selling book in the church on the subject. The new annotated edition of the Book of Mormon, which, by the way, people can see at the uh, at the event, it's also there at the Costco store in uh, St. George. There, oh, cool! They can get the new annotated edition of the Book of Mormon. We've already gone through uh, almost twenty five thousand copies. It's been less than a year, and next year is Book of Mormon 
study year for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So uh, a lot of people get this uh, because it, it gives you such a depth and, and breadth of information and knowledge in addition to the text of the Book of Mormon itself. It's just it's phenomenal. He's Rod Meldrum. Jack, can I have another question or two before yeah, we go? Yeah, uh, Rod, I was wondering, yeah, when you uh, were going through this in one of the conferences I went to, you talked about uh, the people's diaries, which was I thought, thought so fascinating, that lived through the earthquake of the, uh, of the oh, Mississippi yeah. or uh, the St. Louis area, the New Madrid Fault, huh? and then paralleling mm-hmm. that to, the, to the, um, all the d- catastrophes before... Christ came a sec. Christ came to them. Yeah. Can you just kind of go over some yeah. of those similarities real quick? Just that was such a yeah, fascinating, you know, thing there. <laughs> well, well, in in the Book of Mormon, for those of the, those who are not necessarily familiar with the Book of Mormon, there is a point in time uh, here in America when Christ was crucified over in the Old World uh, that there was a massive destruction that happened here, and they and they talked about all kinds of different things. There's actually 28 different observations that were made. Uh, things like uh, cities being buried in earth, uh, you know, water coming up on cities. They talked about three days of darkness, and there was a mist of darkness that came across the whole thing. They talked about cracks and seams in the earth and, uh, and massive earthquakes and, uh, and whirlwinds that happened. And all of these destructions happened in pretty much in a, in a pretty short order in a pretty short period of time. And, and everybody's kind of wondered, well, well, I wonder what would have caused that, maybe some kind of a volcanic eruption. Uh, but there's no, there's no volcanoes in the heartland of America, at least not that went off around the time of Christ. And so is there a different, uh, you know, a, a different um, um, explanation. You know, uh, uh, explanation for that? Right. And, and, and as it turns out, um, underneath the Mississippi River Valley is a gigantic fault. Uh, it's called the New Madrid Fault Zone. And, uh, and that fault basically let go back in, in 1811 and 1812 with over 2,000 earthquakes. Uh, three of them were 8.0 magnitude and were fell all the way from Canada to, uh, to Florida. It literally rocked the interior of wow. America um, for about five months. It's average about every 17 hours another earthquake would happen on average, 2,000 earthquakes over five months. Anyway, long story short is that uh, – those who actually observed it, who actually were there and wrote about it in their journals and the newspaper articles and so forth, that's been all gathered together by uh, several experts who are not members of our faith. And they uh, published a book called The Earthquake America Forgot. And, uh, and, and they talk about that about every 200 years, this earthquake goes off, or this, this, this fault on an average, about every 200 years. And they actually, uh, and every single observation that was made in the Book of Mormon was actually observed by the people who experienced it back in 1811-1812. So then the only question became, well, was there a similar kind of event that happened back in the time of Christ? And for that, we turned to a paleoseismologist by the name of Marticia Tuttle from USGS. She has actually found direct evidence that there was, in fact, a similar event that buried areas of, uh, of the Midwest under as much as uh, 30 feet of sand. And, uh, and sand blows and uh, massive cracks and, and so forth in the earth, we actually have been able to isolate the exact event that was observed by the prophet Nephi in the Book of Mormon. That's incredible. Well, uh, Rod, it's been great having you on. I've got to run. I've got a weather break. Jack, thanks for okay, coming Andy. on and spending Good a few minutes. Good to talk to you, Rod. Jack, thank you. You're Again, welcome. the, the big yeah, event is so 
big event is Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. at the Red Lion. Uh, all kinds of classes and workshops all day long talking about it. Yeah. If you want to learn more, folks, go to bookofmormonevidence.org. Org, is that right? Org, no. Yeah, Book of yeah. Mormon Evidence. Yeah, book, yeah, book org. Of org. And the seating is limited to about, a, I think we have about 170 seats, and we're already over about 110. True. So, uh, and, and also, I think, uh, Jack, you have uh, some, some free tickets you can give out over the next couple of days, too. Okay. So. Well, we'll I'll give them so. to Andy. Thank you, Rod. <laughs> Thanks, Rod. Great to Thank talk you, to you. Andy. You bet. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. And again, thanks, Jack. And we've got, uh, got weather now. Good Wednesday morning to you. I'm Andy Griffin. This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 949-890-KDXU. We uh, had a couple of guests on, Rod Meldrum and Jack Lancaster, talking about uh, kind of an interesting workshop he's got coming up this weekend at Red Lion Hotel. It's uh, uh, basically scientific evidence for Book of Mormon, uh, for the Book of Mormon. And uh, if you'd like to be involved with that, go to bookofmormonevidence.org. And click on the events tab, and uh, yeah, and, and and find out more about it. It's it, that's kind of a, a topic that's evolved over the years. And again, the early early people believed that uh, the uh, you know the Lamanites, if you will, Lamanites and Nephites were in Central America. But it's turning out it looks like actually a lot of that took place in North America, not Central or South America. So just a kind of kind of a fascinating topic. And uh, Jack Jack actually is friends with uh, Rod Meldrum and uh, Jack, who works for Cherry Creek uh, Media, said, hey, uh, you got an opportunity, you, you got a chance to get him on the air. Can, can you do it? And uh, I was like, sure, let's let's have him on. Let's talk about let's talk about stuff. And I thought it was very fascinating. But he had to say, uh, whether you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or not, uh, it's fascinating scientific. I love science. It's fascinating scientific evidence to some of that stuff that went on. By the way, uh, I, it kind of popped into my mind uh, that uh, my dad, his name's Rod Griffin, Rodney Griffin, he wrote a book back in the, I'm going to say the late 80s maybe. Could have been early 90s, but I'm thinking 80s. Uh, called uh, scientific evidence for miracles for scriptural miracles and uh, i don't know if that book is still available on amazon because it's an old book at this point but uh it's kind kind of fascinating uh that uh kind of full circle and uh, he wrote that book with uh with uh clayton bruff they were both uh oh clayton's a climatologist my dad was a meteorologist and a geologist and a geographer and uh anyway yeah and uh, it uh is an interesting book, and and it talks about not just the Book of Mormon. It talks about Bible and, and other uh, scriptural uh, miracles and things that went on, and how you can prove a lot of that stuff out that they actually happened uh, just by uh, by using science. Fascinating topic. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Seth is with us today. Morning, Seth. How are you today? Two point two inches of rain and raining. Rain and snow mixed together, coming down on my windows and melting. Wow. We're, we're, we're just getting a little bit of rain right now. It's actually been dry most of the morning. It did rain last night here in St. George, but uh, it just started to rain again here uh, up on Bluff Street. But you've got 2.2 inches already? Already, and it was quite snowy last night. Now, uh, people, uh, I'm at a mile high, uh, 5,300 feet higher than Denver, and many times when when it's raining, even on uh, Highway 18, it's snowing at my house, and it's right at the break point, and so the the rain.
rain comes down swirling, and of course you can't see it because as soon as it hits the ground, it, it uh, melts. So we're at 38, and there's granules of snow landing on my window as we speak. Well, I don't envy you that because that, as it gets colder tonight, that uh, it probably just isn't going to melt when it hits. And, and of course, my, my plants and all of the animals are just dancing, and uh, ducks, uh, which are dinosaurs, really, uh, speaking of the Book of Mormon and the dinosaur uh, connection, um, they, um, they just love the colder the weather, the nastier the weather, like it, they call it what? duck weather? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. Well, my ducks are, are singing and dancing right now, and uh, they really enjoy this weather. And if it's too rainy and nasty, maybe at 4 o'clock you come over to Afrigados and have some exotic hot chocolate there that will knock your socks off, and you can uh, have some hot chocolate and uh, walk through the farmer's market this evening. And that's indoor, right? It, it, yes, uh, so you, you don't get your, your uh, snow in your hot chocolate. Well, I'm not sugar. I won't melt in the rain, but it is nice to be inside rather than outside for a situation like that. You bet. Um, um, if you're wanting to pursue this thing about the um, uh, faults uh, along the East Coast and in Illinois and that area, there are huge caverns in the ground. Hmm. And... Uh, uh, you can go down, or apparently the people in the know, the Masonic Order and some of the religious orders that are secretive, um, have what they call the Illuminati uh, playground. And you can go down, apparently, uh, only if you have a ticket and only if you know how and when. And, and there was a fellow that, that wrote his graffiti on the uh, walls of these caverns, and the graffiti, whether it was him or not, says Abraham Lincoln. Huh, really? <laughs> and what they were looking at is they had platforms built, and there was something called, like, stasis chambers that were in there. It was some kind of blue or purple light, and inside the cases, there were 14 to 15-foot giants with gold bands like the stuff you would see in the Book of Mormon, uh, battle, um, uh, helmets, uh, swords, uh, all kinds of uh, uniforms and regalia that they had on inside of crystal chambers with these lights in them. And by the way, they found these all over Iraq and all over Russia, and there are men and women that are preserved in these things. And uh, of course, all of this sounds insane, but I, I would suggest maybe that instead of people like the Book of Mormon turning their nose up and saying this is ridiculous, uh, you can go online and see these actual people that they have found around the world, not just in, in uh, Illinois and in the New Madrid Fault area, but worldwide, and, and maybe we should uh, invite somebody who knows something about this, who's actually researched and explored this and photographed it. All of this stuff is online. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, and so 
I believe they're indicating their Anunnaki, a previous race of, uh, that was associated with the Sumerians and the first real culture with uh, grafting trees and agriculture and plows and wheels and all of these miraculous things that, that just popped up out of so-called nowhere even before Egypt. And so all related one to another, um, it might be something very interesting to provide some real experts on on what they have found from an archaeological standpoint. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. people who are alive. Yeah. Now, now I'm, I want to shift gears here for a minute. In fact, what I'm going to ask you, Seth, if you're okay with it, I'll have you hold on during the break because I wanted to talk a little bit today and change topics, but I wanted to talk about there were some protests in Maryland about 5G. And I know you've done a little bit of research on 5G and, and, and what's basically, you know, you had 3G, 4G, now 5G with our, with our smartphones. Uh, are you okay hanging on? And we talk a little bit about that when we come back? I'd love to. All right, hang on, Seth. It is 9.47, and it is time to thank Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a local loan consultant focusing on customer service. Uh, the thing I love about Joe is he puts himself out there. He says, go ahead and write a review about me and your experience, and he does great online. And out of five stars and 267 reviews, he averages 4.91 stars. I wonder if one guy gave him two stars. Everybody else is five. The whole, I don't know. Uh, for instance, this is, uh, let's see, Anna. Anna in Hurricane says, thanks, Joe. That's it. Five stars. Thanks, Joe. Five stars. You know they're satisfied when they're short on words and high on stars. Uh, this is Matt. Matt says, I've done several transactions with Joe and Sue, and they always deliver top-level service and communication throughout the whole process. Uh, this is Frank in Cedar. said, Joe and his assistants worked diligently to get us through the loan process. This was a long-distance application, and they communicated clearly and always in a timely fashion. I love those kind of reviews. I know Joe does too. So you got to get a hold of Joe Shoney. It's 435-590-6300 or you can email Joe at joe.shoney, S-C-H-O-N-E-Y, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. We'll be right back. Morning, everybody. It's 949, actually 950 now on News Radio 949-890-KDXU in a rainy day. Uh, it's been a weird show. Uh, I had a guest uh, about well, less than an hour before uh, they were scheduled to come on, uh, text me and say, I, I just can't make it. I'm sick, and, and I don't think I'm going to make it into the studio. And we briefly entertained the idea of having them on the phone line and just decided it, we'll, we'll reschedule them for another time. So at the last minute, Jack Lancaster was able to get his friend Rod Meldrum on the air. He's got a big uh, workshop coming up this weekend. Uh, go to bookofmormonevidence.org to learn more about it. In St. George, it's a 12-hour uh, all day long workshop on Saturday at the Red Lion Hotel, and uh, if you're interested in basically scientific evidence uh, backing up uh, claims made in the Book of Mormon, you're going to want to get to this thing. Book of Mormon Evidence dot org is the uh, address, uh, and, and so we had them on for a few minutes. He had to go. We had to we had to take a break, and we came back and, uh, and talking with Seth. And I appreciate Seth hanging on the line. Seth Stinson is with me, and, and as you know. I like to do a lot of research for my shows, uh, Seth, and when something like today happens where you have cancellations and new guests and all kinds of things, uh, I don't, unfortunately, have as much uh, research time as, as I would like. But I noticed today on The Wire there were some protests in Maryland, uh, people protesting the new 5G that is just about to be activated in Montgomery County uh, in Maryland. Uh, people are saying that 5G is actually carcinogenic. It, it could kill you. What, what do you think, Seth? 
Of course it can, and uh, scientifically it vibrates the oxygen molecule and and uh, may lead to uh, complete uh, uh, massive damage. The current cell phone technology oscillates oxygen molecules, uh, I mean uh, water molecules, like a microwave oven similar. Mm-hmm. And uh, these, uh, you put a cell phone up to your head, and you have scientists who take uh, thermographs, uh, uh, cameras that are designed to change color that show the intensity of uh, radiation that sure, is sure. being emitted from the phone, and it shows near the where the phone is located uh, different colors indicating heat, and that those uh, uh, configurations in the face, in the head, uh, down the shoulders, and into the chest uh, stay there for a half hour when you hang the phone up. Wow. Okay, and so this is going on. Um, they put a cell phone, uh, by the way, if you go to general inside your iPhone or any phone, it says right in the warnings in the cell phone that the manufacturer has provided, don't put this thing near your body. Hmm. Okay, it's got to be so many... Um, centimeters or this or that, uh, but the thing is dangerous. I don't own a cell phone. I don't let Wi-Fi in my house. I'm speaking to you from a landline. Every computer connection is Ethernet. Hmm. Okay? Because I do believe there's something very seriously going on. And, of course, all of this information is being withheld from the public. Terry Hutchinson in the school district wants to fill our classrooms with Wi-Fi, wall-to-wall, 5G, they call it, whatever. And uh, it, it is uh, uh, nobody really understands, and all of this information is readily available. They're turning on 5G in New York City. And they're going to, it's going to move across the country. Our president and, and the like is uh, providing funding uh, for 5G and for the thousands of transmitters, millions of transmitters, that now have to be placed within 500 feet of each other. You know, the, the, so there's going to be one on everybody's house. Yeah, you, 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 know, you get into, I think, really move this into a really uh, sensitive area, and that's the, uh, the matter of trust. And you know, I, I think a lot of people that listen to this show already don't trust the government, but we, we do trust the government, uh, the FDA, and make sure our meat is, is up to high-quality standards and things like that. And you know, we feel, I think the average consumer trusts the government to keep us safe, and uh, that, that's why you know, I'm a little bit... I guess I would say I'm a little skeptical in saying this could harm this harm us just because I'm trying to believe in the government that they would keep us safe. But you're saying that there's too much money involved, there's too much uh, convenience involved. What what is the what is the motivation for them to not keep us safe? Uh, well, the fact that Wi-Fi and Alexa is going to testify in court on murder charges. Mm. All right, and we got these things listening to us. We got our televisions watching us. We're everything we say and do is, is being recorded. Now they've taken these cell phones, iPhones, and the like, and they've put them in beehives. Four with the uh, uh, cell phone inside, four without them, and none of the bees. The bees begin to die, and the uh, uh, the 
bees that leave the hive never return. Now, from the studies you've done, all right, we're talking about talking on a cell phone. And I usually use speakerphone, by the way, uh, but not that that's necessarily a whole lot better. But what about carrying the phone around in your pocket? Am I exposing, say, my left leg? I usually have my phone in my left pocket. Am or I- in your front pocket and, and exposing your genitalia. And if you're a little tiny child, four or five years of age, and you're going to put a laptop or a tablet on your genitalia, and, and for 15, 20 minutes, Today, you're going to study about, and by the way, this, what I'm going to tell you right now is directly from the um, electronics and, and digital p- uh, people at the school district. We're going to teach you about uh, hermit crabs um, uh, so you can Google it and look it up and research it and read it and do a report right. while it's sitting on your genitals. Hmm. Okay, I I don't like this. I don't want my granddaughters being exposed. And as you heard Terry Hutchinson tell me on the radio, he said, Seth, if you don't like this BS, uh, pull your kid out of school and, and homeschool her. Yeah, I heard okay? him say that. I remember and, and so, that, yeah. Well, I, I got a problem. I got a daughter, and I've got a, a family, and uh, I don't have direct control of my granddaughter. Yeah, I, I could see that. Crazy old grandpa telling me to t- pull her out of school. I could see that. You know? Yeah, and, and so, and of course, these are babysitters, and, and we keep generating bigger and, and, and fancier school systems that cost more and more money. When in, in fact, every time I mention it, Terry Hutchinson and the school people, instead of reducing the number of schools, we want to increase it. When everywhere I go, I can find, I can get a a MBA uh, from uh, online sources that you could feed with your internet and not be irradiated each day through the um, Ethernet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's use light, let's use a cord, let's not fill our environment, and every time you turn the TV on, they've got some new Wi-Fi thing to put in your house. Your yes, refrigerator, your pantries, your uh, ask questions of Alexa. But but here's the here's the thing. I think the the cow's already out of the barn, so to speak. I mean, Wi-Fi is everywhere. Uh, you, I mean, I I don't know anybody that doesn't have except you, I guess, that doesn't have a cell phone. Uh, most people have a smartphone. I know a few people who still use the old flip phones and stuff. So uh, we can sound the warning. But maybe at this point, instead of sounding the warning and don't do this, maybe we need to find a better way to adjust it. Maybe we ought to. You know, instead of carrying it in your pocket, maybe use a, a carrying case. Or, I, I don't know, Seth. I, I think that, you know, we would be a, a lone and maybe crazy voice in the wilderness if we told people to throw their cell phones away. Well, uh, if, uh, I mean, with the bees, now they've been able to take large rats. One, one minute, by the way. One minute left. Yes. Large rats, shave their belly, put a cell phone uh, on, the, on the rat, uh, male or female, and um, run the cell phone 15 minutes a day for two weeks. This mm-hmm. information is available. And for two weeks, both male and female rats are sterile for life. Wow. Okay. Now, if uh, we can't do that to people, but people are doing that to themselves. Yes, they are. Okay. Yes, they are. They're putting it in their brassiere. They're putting it in their underwear. They're putting it in their pants. And the phone itself says not to do that. 
And, and actually, I, I get made fun of because I won't let my wife or daughters put them in their brassieres. You know, because when, when they don't have pockets, a lot of times that's where a, women, a woman will stick their phones. And I don't do that. Exactly. And, do and that. the increase in breast cancer and sterility. I wouldn't want my granddaughters or any of my family to end up being sterile. I'd like to continue to be a grandpa and great-grandpa. I agree with you. We're out of time, Seth. Thank you so much for helping me today. It is 9.59. Time now for news.